Welcome to Grace on the Go. This podcast is designed so that you can take grace with you anywhere you go. This episode is a sermon from Sunday, October 4th, 2020 called Beacons of Hope, Give It Away, given by Pastor Jim Von Bush. The scripture passage highlighted for today's sermon comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 21, verse 42. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. God's mercy, grace, and peace are yours in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So as I mentioned already, my birthday, November, German chocolate cakes, those kinds of things. We're going to have safety cakes later on, I think, if there's still any left. Um, But, uh, you know, one of the things that just, why it's so remarkable to me, and actually, as I talked about already, why making the decision to accept the call to Trinity has been such a challenge for us is because of the, the frequency of what I would consider to be purely altruistic motivation is in this place. I mean, it's from the moment Teresa and I walked in these doors years ago, 13, 13 12 years ago, we knew we were home right away. It was like we had been wandering for a while. And when we came in the doors, we were finally home. And I think what that speaks of is just the atmosphere and the environment of love that it, this place is full of because of the people who are here. And so while I think it's safe to say that out in the general populace, altruistic motivation is slim, here it seems to be quite frequent and characteristic of who we are as a people. And it made our decision all that much more challenging to move away from a place where we have been loved and enjoy loving one another so much. Because that is the thing about charity. Charity is more than being unselfish. Charity is about sharing God's love. Charity is about demonstrating God's hope and grace and peace and giving it away. And so we've been going through this series on the beacons of hope and Christ is the living hope. I think this beacon is about giving it away. And ironically, even though in a parable that Jesus tells where it sounds like people are trying to grab all they can, true hope is found in giving it away. And so that's what I hope to be able to explore with you in these next few minutes from this parable. And what I'm I'm going to do is I'm just going to kind of walk through the parable section by section and see how in each section there's a, a revealing of what is the motivation for the people in that moment and what the kind of expectations could be that go along with that motivation. But overall, overall, what I hope you hear from this parable is that God is giving something amazing, truly amazing, with very simple expectations. God is giving. And that brings us to our first point. God is motivated by generosity. That's his character. That's who he is. He is motivated by generosity, and it comes with some reasonable expectations. I'd like to read again those verses from the parable that Pastor Dinger read already for us. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. I mean, the idea here is, especially from Isaiah 5, is that he did everything right. It was the best vineyard. It was the purest grapes. It was the best vines. It was, it would have, it should have, it could have been the best, because that's what he designed it to be. And then he rented it to the vineyard, rented the vineyard to some farmers and moved to another place. 
Now when harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his fruit. So again, motivated by generosity, the very best and very grand and, and abundance with a simple expectation that when he comes for some fruit at the harvest time, there would be some. God gives the very best. He gives us the very best. And we've been receiving it already. In the means of grace, God is generous, super abundant, and giving us his grace. So as you came into this place and as we began our worship together, we were reminded of the promises that God made to us in our baptism, reminded you that you have been marked as one who has been redeemed by Christ the crucified, sins forgiven, washed away, newness of life. You have the Holy Spirit. You have access to the very one true almighty God. And so when you come into this place for worship, you receive his gifts. And then you heard those powerful and resonating and reassuring words that your sins are forgiven. All your sins are forgiven for Christ's sake and for because of the work he has done for you, what he has given you. And we come in this place, not today necessarily, but regularly, regularly. We are welcome to his table to feast on his supper. And so we receive his gifts, his means of grace in abundance. And so we know what that's like here in this place, in this grace family. But now Teresa and I are, and our family, our kids, are moving to Rupert, where we'll serve Trinity in a different congregation and it is a different congregation than this one. I mean, just the buildings themselves are crazy different. And this one has a school with almost 500 students, and, and they don't have a school. And here we have multiple staff members, and there it'll be, well, it'll be me. <laughs> and, and, then, and, and just the, the interior of the church is different. They have pews instead of these really nice new chairs. And I'm so glad I get to sit on them at least once, you know. And, but very different. 70% of the congregation are farmers. I don't know if we have a single farmer in this congregation. Do we? So very different. Trinity and Rupert, Grace and Pocatello, very different. And yet the means of grace, exactly the same. In both places. And in many churches around this country, the means of grace, because they are God's gift and his generosity and love and faithfulness to his people giving the very, very best. It's his nature. Beginning in the Garden of Eden, as you recall, when he created this perfect garden and he set Adam and Eve in there and he says, here, I've made all this for you. This is all for you to enjoy and to watch over and, and be blessed by. All of it was for you. And what did they do? They reach out and take the one thing that they can't get. But again, it's God's nature, his character, generosity, giving. Give it away. And then all the way through to the promise of heaven, making something amazing and giving it away, giving it to those whom he loves. But there is a second point, and you heard it in the gospel reading already, people motivated by ego that leads to faulty expectations. Motivated by ego leading to faulty expectations. Again, from the gospel, but when the tenants saw the son, this is after they'd already killed the servants who had come, they said to each other, this is the heir. 
Come, let's kill him and take his inheritance. So they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. I tell you, every time I read this parable, and as I've been studying it this week, when I get to that point, my response has been the same every time. Have you lost your mind? I mean, really? The farmers, the tenants, the renters, they say, hey, let's kill the son and we'll take his inheritance. That doesn't make sense on any planet. Have you lost your mind? In our arrogance, we lose our mind. In our brokenness, we lose our mind. And we start to think and do things that are faulty. We try to take what is not ours to get. And as I thought about this again, and I just was I'm stunned, I marveled at how, how arrogant these tenants were in their brokenness, the decisions they made. Well, we aren't, we aren't working in vineyards, and we aren't farmers, and what does that look like for us when we fall into our own arrogance and our brokenness takes over? What does that look like when we try and reach out and take what's not ours to get? And these lists came to mind, and I'll just share a few of them with you because I think, it, I think it's just an example of how broad the spectrum can be of this kind of waywardness. I think it's when students cheat or when leaders deceive, when spouses are unfaithful, when employees shirk their responsibilities or employers make unreasonable demands, when neighbors steal from one another or abusers harm, when children bully, when friends gossip, when people break trust. I think these are examples of what these tenants did in the vineyard when our brokenness takes over. And so on this Sunday, I guess kind of a farewell Sunday, I would like to ask you to forgive me for being a pastor who made mistakes. For a pastor who many times said things that I wished I could take back. For being a pastor that sometimes when you needed me, was not available. And I whiffed on the opportunity. I ask you to forgive me. Because I know I could have served you more. And I could have loved you better. I'm very sorry. So I ask you to forgive me for when I operated in my brokenness my arrogance, because people lose their mind when it's about self. And we lose our mind and our brokenness at times. And just like these tenants, we try to take things that are not ours to take. But as Jesus goes on in this parable, he says, so what do you think is going to happen next? He asks the chief priests, the teachers, the elders that are standing around, he's like, okay, here's the story, here's the background. What do you think is going to happen next? And they all answer. They say, well, they're in, they're in big trouble. These people are in big trouble. And so when we talk about what's happening next, the third point is motivated by justice. And therefore, there are some correct expectations. Certainly, God would have been justified, and they clearly deserved consequences for their choices if he had taken them out of the vineyard and killed them. He would have been justified in doing something like that. 
I mean, what is it? the question is, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? And they all answer, he will bring those wretches to a wretched end. And he will rent the vineyard to other tenants who will give him his share of the crop at harvest time. Sometimes, in justice, right, we might say it this way, people got what they deserved. They get their just desserts, punishment that fits the crime, and, uh, and clearly what they deserved, the, the consequences they deserved. So I have this, it's a simple, silly little story, but it's about a, an efficiency expert. It's somebody who travels around the nation doing lectures and stuff on how to bus- you know, help businesses be more efficient in running their business. And so he's, again, doing one of these lectures. He finishes up. And as a kind of a cautionary note at the end, he says, oh, by the way, don't try this at home. You know, it's like when you're watching those TV shows of stunts and things like that, and they say, don't do this at home. You know, bad things will happen. So he says, don't try these efficiency things in your house and uh, in your household. And one of the people in the audience raises their hand and says, well, why, if it works in business, why wouldn't we want to do it at home? I mean, it seems to make sense. So why, why not? And the efficiency expert says, well, let me answer your question with a little story. Because there was a time when I was in the kitchen and I'd watched my wife prepare meals for years. And she had this habit of, you know, she'd go to the stove and bring it over to the table. And then she'd go to the fridge and get something out and put it on the counter. And she'd do this and one thing at a time. And then she'd put a spoon in the dishwasher. But then she'd go to the drawer and get something else out. And it's back and forth and one thing at a time. And so he says, hey, honey, I've been watching you do this for years. And I'm the expert. And so why don't you try, you know, you could probably save a lot of time if you would just carry multiple things at once. And so the person in the audience says, well, did it work? He says, yes, it did. It used to take my wife 20 minutes to prepare dinner. It only takes me 10. (laughs) Just desserts, right? He kind of got what he deserved in the end. But it raises a question for us, I think, especially here in the parable. And as Jesus tells it and says these tenants, why doesn't the vineyard owner just come and say, Oh, let's just forgive and forget. You know, I know you didn't give the fruit that was kind of expected, but let's just forgive and forget. Move on. I know you killed my servants and stoned them and beat them, and, but let's just, let's just forgive and forget. You killed my son, the heir, but let's just forgive and forget. Act like it didn't happen. Move on. Well, that would be to err on the other side. There's no justice in that. And so what Jesus explains to them, I think, is it's neither the lightning bolt principle, where he could just and turn them into ash, or act like nothing happened, forgive and forget. Either one of those. And it's certainly not just retaliation. Jesus is not saying, I'm just going to get even. But I think what Jesus is communicating with this parable is saying, there is something so great at stake here that you have missed. You've completely missed it. The thing that is at stake here is your redemption, your reconciliation with God. And so there's some, it's not just about, it's about you, your redemption, your eternity in heaven. And so I think what Jesus is saying to these people, you've blown it. You've missed your opportunity. They say at the end, we know he's talking about us, right? We know this parable is about us. And it just makes us angry. And so Jesus is saying, you've missed it. You've missed the opportunity. In Isaiah chapter 5, as you heard that read, thank you, Valerie, as you heard that read, the vineyard owner, God, loves his vineyard. 
And when it's trampled and beaten, and let, he's full of grief. And he says, what other option do I have? What other than to just let it go? That's in Isaiah 5. What else can be done? It's for loss. But here in the New Testament, as Jesus is talking about this, and he asked the question, what do you think would happen? What do you expect to happen? While in the Old Testament, God gave, and it was, you know, he gave them the land. And he says, now be a good steward of the land. Jesus is saying, I'm giving you the kingdom. I'm giving you the kingdom of God. Share it with everyone. Share it with one another. Give it away. Don't take it for granted. Don't miss the opportunity. See the blessing and the privilege and the provision that comes to God from God to us. And so receive all of his grace. Receive by faith what he is giving to us and then give it away. Give it away. You know, it's, it's, I've never heard anybody speak from Matthew chapter 21 as a farewell kind of sermon. And, I, and at first I was like, well, this seems like unusual. It seems a little odd to be preaching on a vineyard and, and tenants who try and steal and take away and kill as a farewell. But then it struck me that really this, this is about how do we leave inheritances? What do we leave behind for others? And Jesus is teaching that he's leaving behind life. He's giving us life. And so if I may, in this moment, give you a charge, if I can encourage you one last time, it would be to grab hold of God's grace. All that he is giving to you, grab hold of it and then spread it lavishly among one another. So again, I've talked about Ruth's German chocolate cake. You may get some orders later on. Sorry about that. The first time she did it, you know, we show up for our midweek Bible study and we walk in and there's a German chocolate cake. It looks fantastic. And as we're all starting to cut it and dig into it, she says, I have a confession to make. It fell. The cake fell in the middle. Now I'm looking at this and it's perfectly level, you know. And I'm thinking, I know what that means. <laughs> there is a lot of frosting in the middle. And so while everybody else was, I was giving out little slices for them, I went straight to the middle and took that cake with the abundance and lavish coconut German chocolate frosting on the top of it. It was fantastic. And I asked her to make all her cakes fall from that point forward. <laughs> Receive it and spread it lavishly. Because here's the thing. There is no end to God's grace, mercy, and love. There's no end to it. You cannot outgive our Lord and Savior Jesus. And so we come to the final point motivated by grace with unbelievable expectations. Motivated by grace with unbelievable expectations. You see, as I again look at this parable, the tenants, the farmers were trying to take something that was not theirs to get. And in fact, what Jesus is saying is, I'm giving it. I am giving to you what you could never take. I am giving to you what you could never get. Jesus says, no one takes my life, but I lay it down for you. Therefore, Jesus says, I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. Jesus, in fact, gives us his inheritance. 
He gives us his inheritance. This is beyond imagination, beyond any reason or thought process. It is unbelievable, and therefore, as grace alone, God gives to us his gifts, we receive them by faith alone. Way more than we could ever imagine, think, anticipate, or expect. He gives. He gives in abundance. So as I close this morning, I'm thinking about inheritances. I've heard people say things like, well, there isn't going to be any inheritance left for my kids. For any number of reasons. Any number of reasons. There isn't going to be any inheritance left for my kids. But Jesus promises to you because it's himself that that inheritance, your inheritance, will never run out. It is in complete and full abundance. And then the next thing I hear people say is, you know, that might be the person leaving the inheritance. The people who are thinking about getting the inheritance say things like, I hope I get what I want. I hope I get that set of dishes, or I hope I get the car, or I hope I get the dining room table. Or we have some friends that, you know, they were talking about this as they were aging and they had four kids. And and they were talking about, well, what do you think you want? And the kids were going through the house and putting little masking tapes with their name on the back of items. And one of them looks around and takes the roll of masking tape, writes their name on it, runs down into the basement, puts it under the stairwell, and says, I get the house. What am I going to get? But I think what Jesus is teaching in this parable is you receive all from him. So let's give it away. Let's share it with others. God's grace grows as it's shared. Father in heaven, thank you so very much for the love you've poured out upon us this morning. Help us by faith to receive your good and perfect gifts. Help us, Father, to receive your grace and spread it lavishly. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have any questions or comments about this sermon, email them to podcast at gracepocatello.org. And make sure to subscribe to our channel to stay up to date on sermons and classes at Grace Lutheran Church in Pocatello, Idaho. This podcast is designed so that you can take grace with you anywhere you go.